privileged uh, to be able to be with you guys, uh, to be able to spend this time with you guys. I was, I was thinking uh, while we were having the Lord's Supper that like, that being with a church that meets in a basement isn't too unfamiliar to me. And like, so this is kind of like a home away from home. And so I'm just real thankful for the work that you guys do here in downtown Atlanta. And I pray, I mean, I was praying last night and I continue to pray that God would continue to work on you guys. Uh, and that you guys would look for his word and look at wisdom uh, and see what he would require of you. And then you would continue to do that. <clears throat> Yesterday we spent a little bit of time looking at the book of Proverbs. Uh, and, and the purpose of that was to look at God's wisdom regarding different subjects and different topics. And we looked at what God's wisdom, what Solomon had to say about the family. Or about relationships and how we ought to handle our relationships. We saw what God had to say about our finances and what wisdom says about finances. And we saw what God had to say about our attitudes or anger. And in all three instances, essentially what we saw is how different God and God's wisdom is compared to us and our wisdom. And what I want us to look today or look at today is why we should seek God's wisdom. Like why God's wisdom? How is it different than ours? Why is it better than ours? Why do we need it? And instead of going to Proverbs, the book that I want us to look into today is the book of Ecclesiastes. So if you can find Proverbs, it's the very next book. And if you have a hard time finding Proverbs, open up your Bible to about smack dab in the middle. And you should be some in some psalm. And then right after psalm, you'll have Proverbs. And after Proverbs, uh, you'll find Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> so it's interesting. Uh, if you ever studied Ecclesiastes, it's kind of a depressing book. Because uh, everything looks bad. And everything looks sad. And he starts off, and in, in chapter 1, verse 3, Solomon, or the, the writer, uh, who we believe to be Solomon, Solomon says, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. And everything is a striving after the wind. And he starts off this way, <clears throat> and essentially what he does, it's interesting, because what he does is that he says, vanity of vanities, or emptiness. Another word for vanity is everything is vain. There's no purpose to it. I think what he does is that for the first eight chapters maybe nine, but for the first two-thirds of the book, he's going to show you why you need God's wisdom. And the reason why, and just kind of giving it to you like at the very beginning, the reason why is because our wisdom just leads to emptiness. The things that we pursue, the things that we seek, don't really lead to good things. Or don't, but yeah, don't really lead to fulfilling things. And so what I think what Solomon is trying to do is he'll keep saying everything under the sun is vanity, Everything under the sun is vanity so that you would seek a different world. I think what Solomon is trying to do, and the reason why we need God's wisdom, and we'll kind of discuss this a little bit more, I think what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to show you that this world can't and won't satisfy you. This world won't fill you. And I think his hope is, is that if we understood this, if we understood the things that he's getting ready to, that, that we're going to read and the things that he wrote, if we, if we just can get this through our minds then we'll seek another world. I think what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to create a hunger for a better world. And that world is the world that God has established. So again, he starts it from the very beginning. He says, vanity of vanities. And, and over 30 times, you'll kind of see that word, vanity of vanities. And over 20 times, you'll see everything under the sun is just worthless. And he calls it a striving after the wind. We're going to play a little game here. Everybody take your hand. You ready? Blow into your hand. Grab it. Now, what did you grab? Nothing. There's nothing there. And, and, and to Solomon, the striving after the wind, that's what it looks like. It's like you blowing into your hand and trying to grab that. And you know, as you were blowing into it, I said, grab you. You knew that you weren't going to grab anything. And Solomon is saying the same thing. That's what this life is like. You can blow and blow and blow. You can do it a million times, and you're never going to grab anything. 
And if, if, if this life is where you're seeking fulfillment, if reaching and trying to grab the things of this world is where you're seeking satisfaction, Solomon will say, there's just nothing there. I want us to read in chapter 1 and, and, and show you guys how he describes it. And, and, and from the very beginning, even before he starts to talk about like the things that we seek, and we'll look at that in chapter 2 today, I'm going to try to be brief because like, I could stand here for hours talking about this, this book here. <clears throat> but I want us to, what I want us to do, the plan is to look at chapter 1 and see, I mean, just the vanity of the world. And I mean like even the physical world, how it's just caught in this trap. And then look at chapter 2 and look at the vanity and the things that we seek. And then see if, if, if the things that we seek, if there's no wisdom in the things that we seek, then what is real wisdom? And what does it mean to seek that and find that? So, Ecclesiastes chapter 1, I want us to read <clears throat> verses 4 through 8. So follow along with, I mean, if you have it, you can go ahead and, and read along with me. But chapter, chapter 1, verses 4 through 8, actually, let's go 3 through 8. He says, What advantage does man have in all his work which he does unto the sun? A generation goes, and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Also the sun rises and it sets, and hastening to its place where it rises there again. Blowing toward the south and then toward the north, the wind continues swirling along and on its circular courses the wind returns. All the rivers flow into the sea, yet the sea is not full. To the place where the rivers flow, there they flow again. All things are wearisome. Man is not able to tell it. The eye is not satisfied with seeing and the ear with hearing. So I want us to stop there. And before we start to look at like the things, like our endeavors and the things that we seek, I want you to notice it's kind of weird in these verses. I think what Solomon does to kind of prep the book and prep his premise on everything else is he's telling you, look at the world that you live in and notice how the world that you live in is empty. And he starts it off and he describes the sun. And do you notice what he says the sun does every day? The sun gets up and you see it because we, see it in this, we saw it this morning. And then it does what? And then it sets just to do what again the very next day? To rise again and set again. To rise again and set again. He says the same thing with generations. Generations come and generations go. It's interesting. I was teaching this lesson uh, not too long ago to high schoolers, like to middle school and high schoolers. And I'm not that much older than them. But I was like, man, it was like yesterday. I was, I was your age. And now like 10 years have gone by. And, and like they're the generations. And like I'm looking around and some of you guys are older than I am. You guys are looking at me and you're like, you're the new generation. But that's just the way the world works. It just, a generation comes and a generation goes, and a generation comes and a generation goes, and the sun is caught in this trap where it rises and it sets, and it rises and it sets. And the idea is, is that look at the world that you live in and how it's caught, and there's an illustration I'm holding off intentionally, it's caught in just this trap, and it's vain, and there's nothing new, and it can't satisfy. He'll talk about the rivers, and do we, like, do we know where, like, where rivers flow into? They flow into the ocean. Has the ocean ever said, all right, rivers, stop. I'm full now. I'm good. Is that the way the oceans work? No. And he says the same thing with your eyes. He says, you see and see and see. And you know what? After living for 20-something years, I'm not like, all right, I think I've seen enough. I'm going to close my eyes and never see again. Because that's not the ways, I, that's not the ways that eyes work. He says, you're with, with your ears, you're not satisfied with hearing. It's not that you've heard a certain amount and you're like, you know what? I've heard everything I need to hear. I think I'm done hearing now. That's just not the way it works. And I think what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to show you this is what the world looks like. And you know what it looks like? It's kind of like this. Right? So I'm intentionally doing this. How far am I getting? Nowhere. If you've ran on a treadmill, you get that idea. 
You can run on a treadmill and you run and you run and you run and you can run for two or three miles and you're sweating and you're tired and it says you ran for 30 minutes. Now, <clears throat> after the 30 minutes, where did you get? You're in the same place you were when you started. And that's what life under the sun is like. It's this, tra it's this big treadmill where you run and you run and you run and you run and you 60 years go by, 70 years go by, your lifetimes go by and you get to the end, of, you, get to, I mean, you, you get off the treadmill and you realize, I didn't get anywhere. And I think that's what he's trying to show, that that's his premise for the book. That if your life, if the things that you're seeking, if you're finding wisdom and, 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 and satisfaction and fulfillment in this world, you're just running on a treadmill. And you won't get anywhere. And that's just not satisfying. I think what Solomon is trying to do is he's trying to show you <clears throat> what is the purpose of your life? What do you live for? What do you seek? I like illustrations, so I'm going to keep throwing them out here. <clears throat> Have you ever played Monopoly? Where, like, were you ever good at Monopoly? <laughs> and no one's ever good at Monopoly. <clears throat> I know a guy who thinks he's pretty good at Monopoly. Uh, <laughs> you're good at Monopoly, right? You play, and you win all this money. And you get lands, and you get territories, and you get possessions. And then what happens? Like at some point, what's going to happen? The game's over. And what do you have to do with all that money you won? It goes right back into the box. Because you can't take it with you. That's not, that's not the way it works. Life is the same way. You can make money, and you can have possessions, and you can be better than everybody else. But if this is all you care about, then at some point it'll end. And then what? And there's nothing left. Let's turn to chapter 2. <clears throat> because I think what Solomon will do is Solomon says this, and he's like, but <clears throat> just to make sure, let me try everything. You know, because what Solomon will do is, is Solomon will say these things. He says, look, life is like a treadmill. And then he tries everything just to make sure. Just to make sure that there's nothing under the sun that can satisfy or that will satisfy. And so what he does in chapter 2 in the first 12 verses that we're going to focus on is you're going to see him search for satisfaction. Search for fulfillment. <clears throat> and I'm going to start off by telling you, like, it won't work. And he says that toward the end of it. But chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he says, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure. So enjoy yourself, and behold, it too was futility. I said of laughter, it is madness, and of pleasure, what does it accomplish? I explored with my mind how to stimulate my body with wine, with my mind while while my mind was guiding me wisely and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under heaven the few years of their lives. I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I made gardens and parks for myself. I planted in all of them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself to which, in, uh, to which it irrigate <clears throat> a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves and I had homeborn slaves. I also possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. I also collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of the kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasures of, many, and the pleasures of men, many concubines. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me <clears throat> in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was, was pleased because of all my labor, and this was my reward for all my labor. Notice what he says here in verse 11. 
Thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted and behold, it was all vanity and striving after the wind and there was no profit under the sun. So I want us to kind of dissect these verses here <clears throat> spend a little bit of time looking, looking at what he says here in this chapter 2. Notice how he starts in chapter 2, verse 1. He says, Then I said to myself, Come now, I will test you with pleasure. And in these first 11 verses, do you see what words come out a lot? I, my, myself. And here's the thing. As we, as we try to think about like satisfaction, we think about like your, your purpose in life and what, like what your purpose is. If your purpose in life is you thinking about you, you've missed the point. Because Solomon here says, I, 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 I did these things for myself. I acquired these possessions. I had these things. I had wisdom. And he gets to the end and he says, you know what wisdom says? Is that none of that matters. And that none of that will fill you up. And that if you look for a life trying to seek for yourself and try to please yourself, you know what you end up? You end up empty. So, <clears throat> it's interesting because God gave you two eyes, right? And who's the one person you can't look at? But who do we spend more time thinking about and looking, for, looking out for? For the I. For me. And Solomon is saying, I looked for myself, looked out for myself, and I tell you at the end of it, it didn't please me. Because what wisdom shows us is that what we should be using our eyes for, the eye, is to look for God and look toward other people to help and serve other people. So notice, <clears throat> he starts and he says again, so I said to myself, let's have some fun. And so he does that. And you think about people, that that is what their life is. In their wisdom, the purpose or the meaning of life is let's have fun. And so everything is just fun. They live for the weekend. You know, people like to talk about like living for the weekend. That's what their lives are like. And it's empty. Again, he gets to verse 11 in mind. It's vanity. There are people that say laughter. Let's make everything into a big joke. And so bad things happen and they find some joke in it. And everything's always some joke. And he gets to the end of it and again, and it's, it's empty. You get to verse 3, and I think that the wine isn't about getting drunk. I think the wine is more about making the food taste better. <clears throat> but even then, that's empty. You get to verses 4 through 6. You notice what he says in verse 4 through 6. I enlarged my work. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. There are some people, and I think this, is, this resonates a little bit more with younger people, who think that life is all about having fun. And you get older, and you're like, that's stupid, because you got to pay bills. You gotta like set up a plan for yourself. You gotta. So then older people think, well, life's about ha like building a house for myself, or building this for myself, or planning this for myself. And Solomon says, I had houses, I had vineyards, I had possessions, I had parks, I had ponds. And again, verse 11, it's all vanity and a striving after the wind. By the way, <clears throat> I keep trying to stress that Solomon's the one saying this because I don't have a house. Like, so it's like, Bill, you don't know what it's like. And I'm not rich. I, don't, I barely have money. It's like, you don't know what it's like. But Solomon does. Because Solomon, like if you kind of, if you know Solomon's life and you can kind of read uh, the first kings, the beginning part of their first kings, Solomon had everything that a man would want. He had money. He had wisdom. He had possessions. He had women. He had everything. 
So he knows what he's talking about here. As he's, as he's going through this, as we go through this list here, this isn't a man who didn't have it or who lacked in any, like in any small measure any of this. So he says, you know, I had possessions. I was creative. I built houses. I made pawns. And that was empty. Again, so for some people, some people think that the meaning of life and their human wisdom, having fun is what life's about. That's not it. He said that. Some people think every, if I make everything a joke, if I'm just, everything is happy, then that'll make me satisfied. And there's a difference between happiness and being fulfilled, by the way. Don't, let's not confuse that. <clears throat> That's not it. The laughter's not it. So some people think, well, my, my, my fulfillment, I'll feel fulfilled. My wisdom tells me that I'll feel fulfilled in, in my accomplishments. If I can accomplish this thing, if I can get this degree or get this job or build this house, then I'll be accomplished and I'll feel satisfied and fulfilled. And he says, well, that's not it. Notice verse 7. And verse 7, he says, I bought male and female slaves and I had homegrown slaves. I also possessed flocks and herds larger than all who preceded me. Now verse 7, you'll see it again later on in, in about verse 10. It's like he, he, it's not just that he like has possessions, but he becomes greater than all of his peers. And some people think that like if I make it to the top, then then I'll be satisfied. Then I'll be filled. Solomon's like, no, that, that's not it. Like even the male and female slaves, like just the, the power, like if someone owns slaves, so like at his time, if someone owned as many slaves as he owned, like there's the sense of power that comes with that. And that didn't do it for him. In verse 8, I collected for myself silver and gold. All right, so you know what? You're right, you're right. It's not, it's not going to be the having fun. It's not going to be the laughter. It's not going to be the work. But if you have a lot of money, and that, right there, that's how you'll feel filled, right? Except wrong. Because in verse 8, he says, I had money and gold and treasures. And you get back to verse 11, and he says, that's not it. And, and also in that verse 8, notice what he says. I mean, he says, I had women, men, like the pleasures of men. I had many concubines. Like the women loved them. And that wasn't it. And again, I just want to stress the point here. That Solomon did all these things for himself. And just kind of making the side point that the selfish life leaves you empty. It leaves you more empty than you realize. Think about whenever you're least happy. It's whenever you're thinking about yourself. And you're focused on me. And what I don't have. And what I want. It's just an empty life. <clears throat> In verse 9. He says, Then I became great. And I increased and I proceeded over all who, I mean, and I became great, and I, and I passed all who preceded me in Jerusalem. So he became better than he did. He had done things that no one had ever done and became better than everybody else. And he says, this isn't it. There's a quote <clears throat> that I have here. It's not, it's not mine, but it's, it's a guy that says, My drive in life comes from a fear of being mediocre. That's always pushing me. I, passed, I push past one spell of it and discover myself as a special human being, but then I, I am still feeling mediocre and uninteresting unless I do something else. Because even though I have become somebody, I still have to prove that I am somebody. My struggle has never ended, and I guess it never will. That's the fear right there in, in that aspect, and thinking that I have to be somebody. And appear to be somebody and be somebody great and be better than other people. The idea is that that, that that never satisfies you. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is in being greater than other people. Even though that's what human wisdom tells you. Be great. 
Be special. Be better than this person or better than that person. And Solomon says, if you do that, you just find yourself digging yourself into a bigger and bigger hole. Because that just won't satisfy you. In verse 10, he says, all that my eyes desired, everything that I would have wanted, I hadn't it. Which is kind of like pretty incredible. Like he didn't have any limitations. He says, and I want you to notice this. He says, and my heart was pleased. Here's the thing, <clears throat> just kind of, again, I want to clarify this. I mentioned it, mentioned it earlier, but like, if you live a life under the sun and you live it according to human wisdom, like your heart will be pleased every now and then. Like he did these things and he was happy, but he wasn't fulfilled. And you can live a life here doing things the way that society does it, doing things the way that you feel like doing it, following your own human wisdom, and you'll be happy sometimes, but you won't find fulfillment. You won't find your real purpose. You won't find what God wants of you. So thus he considers all the activities of his hand and he realizes everything. That the pleasures and the laughter and the works and the possessions and the women and the slaves and the gold and being better than everybody else, he gets to a conclusion after he's done all of that. He gets to the conclusion and the conclusion is, now what? Like what was the point of all of it? What, what good did it do me? It's kind of like he's driving, and as he's driving, he sees the dead end. Like there's that dead end sign, and you see a dead end, and you don't want to, you want to keep driving. What do you do? You, you turn away from it, and he goes to every dead end, and he's like, well, this isn't it. And Solomon is writing these things so that we won't, we won't follow our own wisdom, because human wisdom tells you that you'll find satisfaction in these things, in these verses here. And Solomon is saying, there's a dead end sign at the end of that road. And if you drive there, you're just going to find a dead end and you won't get anywhere. And you'll be stuck there. So now what? Like, <clears throat> I get it. This world is, is, is vain. This world is empty. So then what am I supposed to do? Turn to chapter 12. <clears throat> Solomon writes, and again, the first eight chapters in the first part of chapter 9, he'll show you how this world is empty and why this world is empty and why nothing here will satisfy you. And then in chapters, like the latter half of chapter 9 through the end of the book, he'll kind of start to show you this is what life really is. This is what God's wisdom really looks like. This is what your purpose really is. And I want us to read just the last two verses. He says, The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies or this is the, the whole duty of man for God will bring every act to judgment everything which is hidden whether it is good or evil you think about what your purpose is <clears throat> what your uh, why you were created and it's interesting in chapter 12, verse 1, he starts the section by saying, remember your creator. And then he finishes and it says, this is, this is the whole duty of man. And if you want to juxtapose the whole duty versus vanity of vanities, all of vanity, this is the whole duty of man. That you would fear God and keep his commandments. We think about what wisdom is. And this is kind of just a quick snapshot. Then you like figure it out on your own. <clears throat> you, figure, you want to like, want to know what wisdom is? 
Wisdom is fearing God. And the fear of God isn't, I'm afraid God is going to smite me. The fear of God that I think Solomon is referring to here is a reverential fear of God. God is great and I'm going to recognize His power. I'm going to revere Him and because I recognize His power and I fear Him, I am going to obey Him. <coughs> and remember how God gets described here. God gets described in a lot of different ways in the Bible. Sometimes He's called Lord of Lords. Sometimes He's called the, our Savior. Sometimes He's called our Father. Solomon here decides to describe Him as our Creator. In chapter 12, verse 1. And I think that's intentional. Because again, we are the creation, and as a creation, we spend so much time trying to figure out, because we've asked ourselves this, I'm sure we all have, what's my purpose? What am I doing here? Why did God make me? Or whoever made me? Why, like, why am I here? What's the point of all of it? And the way that, before he says, fear God and keep his commandments, he says, remember your creator. And the idea is, if you can remember your creator, your creator knows why you were made. Your creator knows your purpose. Going back to the illustration thing. <clears throat> I'm not an engineer. Uh, I'm not smart enough for that. But imagine you're an aeronautical engineer, right? Which is just fancy talk for like you make airplanes. And you make this airplane. And the interior of the airplane is like pretty cool. And it's got like a pool inside. And it's got like TVs everywhere. And it's got like... A basketball court, I like basketball. It's got like a basketball court. So whatever, whatever you want the interior of your plane to look like, it's got it. Right? And the airplane drives and it's just like, it goes 200, 300 miles an hour. <clears throat> but the airplane doesn't fly. As an engineer, how great do you feel? You're sitting there thinking like, man, I did a pretty good job. No, because you, like, your creation doesn't do the one thing that it was supposed to do. And here's the thing, God is the creator. He's the engineer of all of this. And, the one, and, and, and again, he doesn't, God doesn't have a problem. You kind of read chapter 11. God wants you to enjoy life. He doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants you to enjoy life. But that's the interior of the plane. But he's trying to remind you, you have a purpose. And your purpose is to fear him and keep his commandments. This is your whole duty. This is why you were made. That you would have a relationship with your creator. And that you would please him. Chuck read Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38, because Jesus says something interesting there. We're going to finish up with that. <clears throat> Jesus says, for what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world? Think about this. That, that's Solomon's point there in the book of Ecclesiastes. I am going to gain the whole world and see what I gain from it. See what the profit is. And he gains the whole world and he says all of it is emptiness. It's all vanity. So Solomon is saying, so Solomon is saying, what's the, like, I'm going to seek everything. And then Jesus goes in Mark 8 and he says, what, what does it profit a man if you gain everything and you lose your soul? Then he says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Which human wisdom tells you, it's kind of stupid if you give your life up trying to find life. That doesn't make sense. But that's what God's wisdom really is. If you wish to save your life, you're going to lose it. You're going to lose it for God's sake and for the gospel's sake. And you're going to pick up your cross and follow after Him. So why seek God's wisdom? Because man's wisdom is empty. Because man's wisdom is running on a treadmill. And you don't get anywhere. You run and run and run and you won't get anywhere. Because man's wisdom is vain. And because the profit of all of it is nothing. You lose your soul. Why seek God's wisdom? 
Because it's, it's in seeking God's wisdom that you find your purpose. It's in seeking God's wisdom that you find life. And it's in seeking God's wisdom that you find God. If we can help you in any way, like do that better. Please speak to me or speak to one of the men. Because this is, like, this is what we were made for. This is more important than anything else we will ever do. Anything else you ever accomplish. If we can help you, you can please speak to one of us. I think we're going to have the, the, the conclusion song now. Richard, we'll leave.